Our second reading comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Listen carefully for God's word. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, For in this tent we groan, longing to be further clothed with our heavenly dwelling. For surely, when we have been clothed in it, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan under under our burden, because we wish not to be clothed, but to be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. The one who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident, even though we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to Him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive due recompense for actions done in the body, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, speak to us this day. Speak to us through your servant Paul and his words to the church at Corinth. May those words resound and impact us this day that we might further and better serve you. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. About eight years ago, I was on a trip with about 60 other people. It was a trip that happens annually, but it was my first time going ever. It was fun. It was exciting. It was exhausting. And it was an entirely brand new experience I didn't sleep much, I ate way too much food, and I probably didn't drink enough water. I told stories, we all told stories, we laughed, we got even a little serious at times, and we made memories that I cannot imagine forgetting. We also walked a lot. We walked everywhere, and sometimes that walk turned into a speed walk, or some might call it a slow jog. It was during that time that everyone was getting Fitbits, so I had tracked all of our steps over the course of two days. And over the course of two days, we walked 26,000 steps on the first day, and we walked 28,000 steps on the second day, which over two days equates to just over 26.2 miles, which just happens to be the exact distance of a marathon. My feet hurt. In fact, my entire body hurt. When I laid down into the bed that night, at the end of the night, the relief I felt was so glorious. The aching and throbbing was gone. I'll never forget. We had finished our last day, and the next morning we decided to wake up really early so that we could get back and get home and make it back in somewhat of a timely fashion. And by this time... Everyone was ready to go home anyway. I went and I sat in my seat on the bus and proceeded to fall asleep in what felt 
like just moments. But an hour into the trip, I woke up and I felt the need to stretch. So I stood up to stretch. But as soon as I stood up, I immediately sat back down and I did so with haste. My feet, they hurt so darn bad that I could hardly even stand. My feet had never hurt so bad in my entire life. And to, sh to the chagrin of all of those sitting around me, I decided to take my shoes off. I took my shoes off to look at my feet. And what I found was a pair of very bruised feet. Yes, my feet were bruised from all of the walking. I had been on big, long trips before, but never one like this. And the kicker was, I was in charge, too. This is my very first middle school mystery trip here at Trinity Presbyterian Church. It's a trip that both my mind and my feet will never, ever forget. Walking, it's something that we do as human beings. And I actually don't mean the physical part of walking. Whether you can physically walk or not is actually not the point. Walking is what we do when we live and when we move in all of the multitude of ways we can in this life. Everybody walks in this life that we live. I think this is what Paul is getting at in our passage for today. He doesn't care about the physical act of walking. Walking is simply, as he says, being at home in this body, which as Paul understands, it's only temporary anyway. Walking by faith is not about legs and feet moving one step in front of the other. Walking is not about simple belief either. And sadly, this verse has often been used as an analogy for belief and often an excuse for people with right beliefs yet questionable living. Belief is not outside of Paul's consciousness as he's writing to the Corinthians, but it's not everything. To walk by faith is to, to live with deep intention, knowing that this tent and this body in which we inhabit are not our permanent homes. It is living in such a way that our internal beliefs are manifest as external expressions of our love for God, and by virtue of this, an outward love for neighbor. Walking by faith is the confession that as we live and move and breathe, that we do so not of our own will, desires, and strength, but out of pure gift from God. Walking by faith is the impossible attempt to live like Jesus in all aspects of our living. The thing about walking by faith is that it doesn't come easy. This is in part because, frankly, we're just not very good at it and partly because it can be painful. Half the time, it feels like we are walking and living in the dark, walking blind with no clue about where we're going or when this walk might stop. That's why we want to walk by sight so badly. We feel and seem to know intrinsically that our very own eyes, that they can lead us to the places that we need to go. We often believe to our very core that we know and can see what is best, that we see both the direction we need to head and that we can also help others to see that direction too. But it only takes a stubborn parent unwilling to stop and ask for directions to remind us that our sight deceives us, 
I know we have all been there, sitting in the car, watching one or both of our parents pulled over to the side of the road, staring at a map while arguing over whether or not they should stop and ask for directions. Young people, a map is like ways, but paper, minus the friendly British woman telling you where you need to go. We want to believe in our own abilities so badly that we opt for the certainty of our eyes only to be confronted by the uncertainty of our sight. And yet we return to our eyes over and over and over again because it feels more certain than our faith does because we can see it, albeit there is a reason why we call this life faith and not certainty. We turn to our own sight because in the words of Paul, we are all too human. We believe that we are not only masters of our own destinies, but masters of our own perceptions, forgetting that it is our very own misguided perceptions that have led us into wars, pitted neighbor against neighbor and family member against family member. It is the insufficiencies of our sight, of our perceptions, even of ourselves, of others and the worlds that create this cycle of illusions in which we continue to convince ourselves that all we need is our eyes, that all we need is our sight. The same sight that too often harms our very selves and our neighbors too. Our theology reading group just finished reading a book by Andy Root called Churches and the Crisis of Decline, a hopeful ecclesiology. I had mentioned this in a previous sermon recently. And the book begins by introducing the reader to a fictional church called St. John the Baptist. It's a historic church and it's fallen on hard times. They had hired this new pastor and he left shortly after due to decline and various challenges. As a response, they decided to call a new young pastor who they thought would bring about new life and energy. The new pastor was interested in turning this historic church into a flashy and shiny cultural object that would connect to the younger generations. However, over the, co- over the course of a short period of time, it became clear that this was not a good fit, nor was it working at all. And as quickly as he came to St. John's, he left. It would be a most unexpected character that would end up helping them through this challenging time. One day, a young man named Waz walked into the church and into a room where there was a Bible study happening. Waz's grandmother had been a longtime member of St. John the Baptist and had just recently passed away, and her dying wish was that Waz would be connected to the church. When the Bible study members asked Waz why he decided to come to the Bible study that day, he said because he thought the church could help him to find God. The Bible study was taken aback because it was the first time they were confronted with someone who needed help finding God. And throughout this interaction, they realized that they were looking for God too. They began searching for a new pastor during this time and searching for God together. And over the course of their time together, they learned something that is really important, something that all churches can and should learn. The harder that you look for God, the more you simply find yourself. Because God cannot be found. 
God cannot be owned or co-opted by us. God cannot be discovered by sheer intellect, desire, or will. In fact, it is not us that finds God, but God who finds us. The young cool pastor of St. John the Baptist was more interested in relevance than in faithful resonance. And in the same way, when Waz and St. John the Baptist were looking for God, they were searching for something that they could call on rather than the one who calls them. They were walking by sight, expecting that their own eyes could lead them into the future that they hoped for. When they eventually walked by faith, they realized that God was leading them the entire time leading them to one another, leading them to their community, leading them to God's self. Their journey going forward, it would not be easy walking by faith, but it would be good. It is true that when we walk by faith, we get bruises, albeit different than the bruises that I got walking around Disney for two days. We get bruises on our body. We get spiritual bruises. We get bruises in our mind. But when we walk by faith, these bruises tell us that we have been somewhere, that we have done something, that we have trusted that our own walking by faith was preceded by Jesus' walking by faith, and that we are guided by the same Spirit that guided Jesus from the garden where with His human eyes He asked God to take this cup from Him and with His faithful walking carried the cross to Golgotha where His faith was made complete. Jesus... Jesus' scars and his bruises, even this day, they tell a story, not of sight, but a story of faith. And our bruises and our scars, they tell one too. Trinity, together over the last eight years, we have gained some bruises. Some of the bruises tell the story of middle school mystery trips, transformational experiences in Montreat. They tell the story of reconciliation and learning about it through the streets of Belfast and remembrance of our history in the streets of Edinburgh. They tell of joys and new beginnings of recreation like the loft in which we sit in and worship this morning and renovation like the sanctuary. These bruises tell of long talks around the fireplace and conversations well into the morning around the smoker in the Trinity parking lot of tears in the West Paces Ferry Starbucks, of mental health challenges, of pain and of death of a young person, of rallying around one another at the death of parents and grandparents, of laying to rest our church family members in the memorial garden, to tell of the stories of theology and how our beliefs about God shape how we live and how we do church, of change and of transition, of joy and of sorrow, but most of all, our bruises together, they tell the story of hope. Hope in a God who perfects our imperfections, who doesn't erase our wounds, but, but faithfully and fully heals them. Hope in a God who brings about new life over and over and over again. Hope in a God who has bruises too. It was a walk of faith to move from the West Coast to Atlanta in 2012. It was a walk of faith to come to Trinity eight years ago. It was a walk of faith to accept this new call in Westchester. And I'm so thankful that in all of those moments, 
where I could have chosen to walk by sight, by the grace of God and by the leading of the Spirit, and not by any of my own doing, I chose faith. Or really, I just said yes to God's faithfulness, to God choosing me. And I am forever grateful that this walk of faith led me here to this place, to Trinity. I want you to know that this next chapter in my call in ministry would not be possible without the faithful ways you have walked with God and walked with me and my family. You have walked with us through the births of Desmond and of Maddox, through the death of Megan's father, through the pandemic, and through the challenging transitions of our church. It has been a privilege and an honor to be your pastor, to attempt to walk by faith with you, and when we have begun to walk by sight, to encourage one another to walk again by faith. And I am so grateful for the ways in which you have pastored me and my family. I could say many things about our church, about our faith, and what it means to walk by faith, but we would be here forever. So I'll leave you with this. Remember all of the saints who have walked by faith before you. Be those saints who walk by faith now this day and encourage those saints who come after you to walk by faith, to be bearers of the good news in this wildly challenging world so that we together might be a cloud of witnesses for one another in our world encouraging and spurring on one another in faith so that we might together seek justice, love mercy, and by the grace of God alone, walk humbly with God. Friends, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome it. So walk in faith and walk after the light, the light of life, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.